Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from TalkSport. The Record Book. Hello again and welcome once again to the Game Day Record Book Podcast with me, Danny Kelly, and my cast of millions. I'll come on to them in just a second. You know the deal here. Um, we're supposed to be putting together a record book of everything that's happened in football during the course of this whole season. At the end of the season, it will be an actual physical object that we will be auctioning at Sotheby's and hoping to make raise up to half a million pounds um, for charities of our choice. Um, so far, it's off to a very, very good start. The book has been purchased. No writing has yet been done. Uh, to help me choose the best performance, worst performance, hero and villain of this week in football, of course, the show goes off at tremendous tributaries uh, highways and byways as well. I'm delighted to say back for about his umpteenth appearance. Clearly, he's either very, very good or very, very cheap. Um, comedian and nowadays just professional football pundit, uh, Mark Smith. Hello, Mark. Hi, Danny. How are uh, you? Very, very good indeed. I'm very glad to see we're in the safe hands with you. Equally, um, I would say something nice about my next guest because I've seen him play and know that uh, failure to be nice to him could result in you getting a knee-high tackle. Um, <laughs> he played for, well, how many clubs, Sean? Ooh, nine, ten? At least, at least ten, I'd have thought. Some quite poorly, to be fair. No, no, but very, very well at Crystal Palace and Portsmouth and places like that. Yeah. Um, Sean Derry is with us. I'm delighted about that as well. Hi, De- Sean, how are you? Yeah, delighted to be here. Good, very, very good indeed. The cross deflected almost into the path of Salah. Angelino just got there first with a clearance. But it's for oh, Fabinho! What a goal! one in and Liverpool lead inside six minutes. A wonder goal from Fabinho! Pokes it back to Madison, right footed shot, 2 0. And Arsenal's in Rogers. James Madison from the edge of the 18 yard box with a right footed shot, low and hard across the ground, past Bert Leno and into the net. And they're going second in the Premier League tonight. There's no doubt, but we're playing at a good level and consistent, which is important. I think what I tried to bring when I came in was a mindset that it's be good players. Playing, we want to play an aggressive game. We want to play like a big team. First off, we always do our best performance of the week. And Sean, I'm going to start with you because you were you know, working on the game in the media. It would be wrong um, not to at least consider as the best performance of the week um, the team who's top of the table, unbeaten so far this season, and then beats the team who are second in the table and uh, who were sorry, who would have been second in the table if they'd won, and who many regard the pair of them as the best teams in Europe, Liverpool for you? Absolutely. I thought they were, I'm going to say outstanding because the context of the game demanded a team to be outstanding to beat Manchester City. Now, obviously, Liverpool have been brilliant at home over 
many months. Two um, years now, Anfield was absolutely rocking this afternoon and I was hoping for a brilliant game. How often do we get to see these um, two special teams and sadly certain performances don't match the atmosphere? Well, I thought today's performance by Liverpool matched the atmosphere that them fans put on at Anfield this afternoon. I thought they started so quickly, Danny Mark, that they fully deserved to get the three points. Is is any of that um, made less likely by the fact that um, Manchester City had defensive injuries and also weird selections. What was uh, who was and what was Angelino doing in the team ahead of Cancelo, for whom they paid a who, fortune? Who is, who is he? I've never. Heard, I don't know. I, he, he's got to be the smallest fullback in the league as well, hasn't he? He's got to be. What is well, he? He's turned to Alan Wright. Yeah, five foot three, um, wet through. But no, you're right. Absolutely right. In terms of, and I made this call earlier on today. Just how damaging. Vincent Company leaving Manchester City has become because I thought when Vincent Company left Man City initially people would say oh, we'll be alright we've got X, Y and Z X, Y and Z are just not anywhere near a grade A player well they've got X they've well, got Laporte they yep. they don't have anyone else to who's a proper I suppose traditional centre back they, and, they, and have, Sean, they have ball players and, and also you know uh, as Van Dijk is to Liverpool a leader of the men well, this is the problem. A sergeant in the team. Without a doubt. And this is the problem that I feel that Manchester City are going to have to real, really deal with in January. I think they've got to go and get a leader of men. They've got to get a captain. They've got to go and buy somebody with experience who understands how to cajole a back four that's completely devoid of any kind of character at this moment in time. And I mention the word character because... You can you can you can measure character in two ways, both in possession and out of possession. In possession, when Manchester City are having it their own way, they're wonderful to watch. Mm-hmm. But out of possession, when they were very much on the back foot at certain times today, characterless. Is it uh, is it the case they've got themselves in an odd situation where they have got a leader at the back, um, but it's the goalkeeper, it's Edison. Absolutely, and with him missing in today's performance, um, you know that. That shines so brightly for yeah. Manchester City. Yeah, They didn't represent what a Manchester City had been over the last three years. And I think when you're missing a goalkeeper of that calibre, and like I've just mentioned with Vincent Kompany, yeah. you ain't winning leagues. Well, when your centre-backs and your goalkeeper are either makeshift or just not good enough, you've got an issue, especially when you go somewhere like Anfield. I feel like Anfield's atmosphere gives you a one-goal head start, and it's, it's always an uphill battle. Having said all that, um, I'm going to defend Man City a little bit now, because I think that to watch a team go two down so quickly at Anfield, they actually kept playing their football, they created a lot of openings, and had they been a bit more clinical in that final third, we could have seen a very, very different result. Can I ask you, about both of you, about uh, Pep Guardiola? I mean, he, he is what he is, the best coach in the world. Um, he's changed football probably twice in, in the time he's been doing this. His performance on the touchline, now I know yeah. some of the decisions went against uh, Manchester City, um, but does it, does it? I'll ask you, Sean, first, and you can help me, Mark. Does it help if the manager goes completely loo-born, um, to use an Irish word? It completely gone mad on the touchline. It was, and I think when you're a player and you see your manager reacting like that, it makes you nervous, right? Because you are represented by the bloke on the sideline, and he's an unbelievable manager. I Listen. thought he was going to hit Arteta at one stage. Yeah. <laughs> How aware are you, though, as a player? How aware are you of of in an atmosphere like that where it's so loud and so much is going on, 
How aware are you, are you of your manager on the sideline? Well, listen, I played for a man called Neil Warnock, so mm. I was well aware that was on the <laughs> sideline for, for, for also, many moments. Also, uh, uh, back in the dressing room, also back at home? Without a doubt, yeah, yeah. And if he didn't make it clear on the sideline, he definitely yeah. made it clear. In the... What kind of mood is Neil going to be in this weekend? He's lost two successive derby matches yeah, with Cardiff. He won't be happy, will he? That will very much hurt him. I watched... We was down at um, Cardiff for our um, 23s at Crystal Palace last week and I saw Neil and I know he was burning, really burning after the, the derby against um, Swansea. Swansea. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. then he went and had a great victory in the next game. But obviously this, this defeat over the weekend will hurt Neil as well. Yeah, uh, Absolutely. Uh, can we move on then from Liverpool who, um, can we a uh, show of hands, champions now? Oh, um, two hands. Yeah. Legs are up Absolutely. as well. Yeah. Can we get yeah. the legs in? Sure, uh, Sean's doing, legs. putting his legs up in the air on the radio as well. Very, very good <laughs> indeed. But if Liverpool are clearly the power in the land just now, there is something so exciting about watching another team come together and your performance of the week involves them. Yeah, it's West Ham. It's, no, it's not really. Of course it's not. How could it be? It's Leicester very City. Good, very it's good. Le- Leicester City. I'm a Derby County supporter. I shouldn't be saying this. But Leicester are an absolute joy to watch. They are... So, they're so, um, what's the word I'm looking for? So aggressive without the ball. They're so good and full of energy on the ball. Their midfield, I think, can match up man for man with anyone in the league. I think Ndidi, I think we all agree, is just absolutely an astonishing player. Box to box, gets his foot in, can play a ball, can finish, almost scored the opening goal against uh, Arsenal on Saturday. That's one thing that's missing from his game. Where uh, He is the best tackler, he's as good a runner as N'Golo Kante, does yep. all those things. He is not a finisher, that boy. It fell to no. the wrong t- person. And when, but he when was it, still there, though. When that happened, I thought... This might be Arsenal's day here because mm. it's the, 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 they've given them a chance on the penalty spot and it's fallen to Ndidi. Um But you're right, they're, they're, they're an amazing team uh, just now. And Sean, uh, well, Mark too, it's, it's to do with recruitment, isn't it? I mean, the example I always give is Johnny Evans. Absolutely. How many teams would he have improved in the Premier League? Most. Yeah, three 19. Million, less than three million quid, I'm told. Just unbelievable. Incredible value for money. But in terms of... Rogers arriving into a football club like Leicester as well. People raised certain eyebrows about whether or not he was going to be a success at Leicester. I was always one in terms of looking at the squad that was available to him and the li- uh, uh, and the type of players that was available. The age of the players as well mm. were very important to Brendan Rogers when he arrived. It's just a match made in heaven, it really yeah. is. And no wonder everybody wants him now. Well, I mean, Arsenal particularly would have wanted him there I think but he, he can't go now because he's committing himself no, to absolutely Leicester not. And why, 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 why would you and also why would he um, just to make the point as well that he could argue of course um, that they're doing what Southampton tried to do but they're doing it properly yeah. sold their best player in 2016 Kante to Chelsea sold their best player in 2017 Mares to City sold their best player of last year Maguire to Manchester United and still um, they have the the, the, it's about commitment as well. Yeah. Pereira, the fullback, he was available. Everyone knew he was the next big thing coming out of Portuguese football. They bought him. Tielemann was waiting around all summer, twiddling his thumbs for Tottenham and various others to come in for him. Man, Leicester City put the money down and got him. For, for £40 million, pounds, but every penny well spent of that transfer. It's not a lot of money, that, for a player anymore. For, for a starting centre midfielder, for a top-level Premier League team. 
I think the money's irrelevant now in the Premier League yeah. because you're going to get it back in transfer fees anyway unless you're Spurs and all your players run out of contract. Um, it's absolutely irrelevant. Are you getting a good quality player who can play in yeah. the Premier League? He'd had a season in the Premier League. He'd already proved he could play there. Fantastic, Leicester. I could talk about them all day. I mean, not even mentioned Vardy in that whole thing. And he, he is an evergreen... Top top level striker who I just I just love watching and as I say I'm a Derby fan I'm not going to say his name really fast now because you say I want to talk about Vardy they're afraid you're going to say you're going to talk about Var yeah Um, and you have to get out of there as quickly as you can can I can I nominate for the performance of the week some somebody a team who are never going to be competing with Liverpool and Leicester Um, I want you know the thing I love most about English football is the pyramid the idea that you can go from Parks football to the Premier League if you if you're if you're lucky. Over the weekend, now I hate to say this, Lake Norrie, one of my my favourite teams, because um, where I grew up, Orion got beat at home by Malden and Tiptree. Now, whenever I go anywhere, if I'm doing a bit of work or for pleasure, um, to the uh, slight chagrin of Mrs Kelly, if I can take in a football match, I will. But I had no idea about Malden and Tiptree. Uh, to me, Malden is that stop at right at the end of the central line, yep. and Tiptree uh, is a, it's probably something you have with gin, isn't it? Um, the upshot <laughs> you was have with Jim. that they're into the second round of the FA Cup, um, which is just amazing. It's the first time in their history. They're one victory away now from the Sunderland Uplands of the third round, and I just wanted to mention them. And I think, Sean, though, um, to you, uh, they may be a mystery to me. They're not such a mystery to you. Well, they're not, absolutely not. The reason being is because I've been aware of this team now for a few years, obviously, um, being an ex-manager of a lower level um, club, you kind of get to know the, you know, the, the, the group It's below. your job, it's course, your job. Of course, you need to yeah. look at the recruitment angle of it. But what Molden and Tiptree have got is a fantastic relationship with Colchester United. And okay. I think in today's performance, they had up to six players on loan from Colchester. Um, wow. So in terms of a um, an under-23 group, a lot of their players would be playing for Molden and Tiptree at the weekends. Um but is there no maximum on, on the amount of loan signings you can, six, you can, you can have? I think that, that is six, the maximum. Yep, right. I think you can have six, um, or it used to be, so six junior players can play for Molden and Tiptree, all come from the same club. And not only that, but they have shared managers with Colchester United in the past. Junior managers, you know, from the 18s, the 23s, and I think they've just changed it again over the last two years. Brilliant um, what they've been doing absolutely fantastic give the young players because sometimes you can question the quality of the 23s games in these um, junior football but you can't replicate men's football and this is why they're getting so much joy Yeah, and and the other reason I, I'll mention it because I, I think and you can help me with this Sean it's a cliche that it's important for these clubs to get into the latter stages of the FA Cup and it's vital it's absolutely vital when you think about the finances the rewards if you think about also, they share both the windows with the Premier League clubs, so you can only go and um, get your players in January. I know this because this happened to me on more than two or three occasions. Get to the third round of the FA Cup and we'll give you a pot of money to go into the recruitment. Now, if you don't, there's no money available. Right. So this is why it's so important for these um, League 1s, League 2s to get this pot of money, You know, make sure that we can 
get ourselves into that recruitment angle and get get ourselves hopefully a joyous second half of the second half of the season. And I have to make it my business to go and see Malden and Tiptree's ground. It's not that very far from London, is it? Um, and of course there'll be a queue of other people saying I never know anything about them, but there they are. So those are our three nominations for best performance: Liverpool taking an eight-point lead at the top of the Premier League, Leicester continuing to bash everybody who comes across their path, and Malden and Tiptree for their away win against uh, Lake Norian. So they're from the eighth tier. I don't even know. They don't are. Even, what are. Do you know what else they do there as well, Danny? They make fantastic jam. Aha. Okay. Okay, well. Tiptree jam. Okay, thank you very much okay. indeed. Um, anybody want to change their view? Anybody going to break the log jam here? <laughs> no. I'm happy with Leicester. I don't think it can be Liverpool because I don't think they were that good. And I, I, I'm going to go along with that. I'm going to go for Leicester as well as performance of the week. Mind you, they didn't have to be that good against Arsenal. More about which a little mm. bit later. Is that I'm all right with you? I'm going to join you with Leicester, yeah, absolutely. Good. Even though I went for for um, Liverpool. Leicester are brilliant at this moment in time. Absolutely. And they are a performance of the week. Arsenal are Fox. Unai Emery outwitted by Brendan Rodgers. His Arsenal team have been dissected by a Leicester side who leap into second in the Premier League. Especially in that second half when he made changes, you just thought, where's the formation? Where's the players didn't really know what they were particularly doing and the game had, had gone out of their reach. I know when we are uh, losing, the, the, the supporters, they, they aren't happy. But also yeah. I know uh, we are going to work for recover that situation and when when we will win they are going to be happy and this is my challenge now. From the beginning we struggled to play. I think they were very aggressive and um, was difficult uh, to break the pressure. Now on to another part of the show I enjoy very much indeed, the worst performance of the week. Now this week, the, such is the, the lineup, such is the magnificent array of truly terrible performances. West Ham, off the hook, not making a shortlist. Norwich, off the hook, nowhere near the shortlist. Um, I'll start because, uh, as I said on Twitter at the, uh, after the Spurs' result against Sheffield United, I've been patient. I've tried not to knee jerk. I've looked the other way. I've turned a blind eye. I've searched for the positives. But we have to be honest Spurs currently stink the place out. <laughs> no spunk. I'll use that word again. No spunk. No spark. No plan B. No togetherness. Just awful. Now, that's nothing to, nothing against Sheffield United, who played very, very well. And what a travesty it would have been if they hadn't got that equaliser, particularly after the VAR. More about VAR mm. a little bit later. Um, and, of course, the excuses keep piling up. Spurs have got players out of contract. Spurs are still recovering from the Champions League defeat. Spurs have got this documentary that Amazon are doing. Um, and maybe that's putting them off. The manager is gone a bit surly on us. All these things that all these are, Sean, is to me, are the check marks. Yes, tick, tick, tick. You've got a bad team. They've taken the lead in eight of the league games out of 12, and they're still got, you know, about a point a game. Everything that says you're a bad team, you can't win away, you can't hold on to a league, the manager looks miserable on the sideline. Every one of those boxes is ticked now at Spurs. Well, it's the perfect storm, isn't it? And this is what we've been talking about now for months and months, ever since the Champions League playoff, sorry, Champions League final, when obviously they lost the game. But going into four to five senior players that are all out of contract, 
Rose Vertonghen, Alderweireld, Eriksson, at least those. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think knowing what it's like in terms of what's inside the dressing room when people are talking about money, this horrible, crass um, subject that we just can't get away from with the Premier League. I've been in that dressing room, Danny, and I know what these conversations look like and take place and they're vile and if one takes if one takes the angle of being perhaps a little bit upset about what kind of contract he's been offered or whether that's two but not four and five as soon as that happens Danny that's major but uh, Christian Eriksen Toby Alderweireld etc are they making much of a case for these contracts they're going to get with other clubs when they're not playing very well well this is the counter argument Mark well this I don't understand this in American sport they call it a contract year because specifically you they step are, up they're stepping up to make sure they get that next payday whether it be with the team they're currently with or a new team elsewhere and for some reason this time around maybe there's too many in the same team with the, with the same situation contract wise but it's just not working there seems to be divisions all over the place and that's coming across on the field I think it's just there's been no coherence to the way Spurs have played for Where's a good Where's the dynamism that made this team so fantastic to yeah. watch for the last three or four years? Yeah, they used they used to do the thing where they'd be uh, pressing so high and so aggressively for the first few months of the season that come January they'd be tired. Well, they won't be tired at least this January because <laughs> no, they're not playing they, that way. Well, I, I, I don't know what... That's, that's obviously a tactical change they've made and I wonder whether that's because of Harry Kane's ankles. He keeps getting injured being the first person tackling in a press. And mm. I may, they may even have decided to, to step off because of that. What about the um, the business with the uh, the documentary? Should that be bothering them? Well, I was part of the documentary at QPR, albeit for the final year, the four-year plan. And, and, and thankfully, it worked for us. And we did get to the, 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 you know, the promised land of the Premier League. I'm not sure there's going to be a happy ending to this, I've got to be honest. <laughs> Danny, what I would say is in terms of your character and the personalities that are around the football club, you don't let these TV cameras have a negative effect on you. Right. You don't, even though they're there. You know, you carry on as normal. That's part of football nowadays. Yep. Sunderland have had a documentary. You're you know earning this big money because of your media profile. Absolutely, yeah. And, and that's what you sign up for, Danny. Yeah. I could go on and on and on about Spurs, but Mark, if you want to, you can. Well, I was going to say one more thing, which was the, the comments Poch made before the game in, his, in the, uh, the press conference on Thursday or Friday. He likened Sheffield United to uh, having a, the organisation of a rugby team. And I really think it was supposed to be a positive comment, but I, I still think it's loaded. It's a loaded comment. He's, he's equating them to a rugby team, and he's, essentially, to me, he's, he's saying that they are strong and they're powerful and they're well-organised, but like a rugby team, there's not as much technical quality or there's not enough finesse about them and I think it was a real to me that sounded like a dig and I was pleased that Sheffield United went and got a result because they've been playing very well all season they haven't been this team that everyone assumes they are which is two banks of four everyone organised playing simple football they're playing good stuff and I'm, I'm pleased that they actually um, stuck one on pots really OK well now you've gone too far but obviously that's why you're here <laughs> Sean, you want to take us away from the uh, glare and uh, pizzazz and uh, all the rest of, it, of the Premier League for your worst performance. Now, I always think now I don't I don't know who you're going to select, but once you go outside of the top two divisions to pick your before your worst performance, aren't you just kicking puppies? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know how much I love the football league. You know, yeah, it, it's it's a league. You know, not just the championship, but the the, the whole thing. Yeah. yeah, the lower levels as well. And my worst performance is not actually. 
well, I suppose it, it coincides with the team, but it's an individual, and it's the owner of MK Dons, Pete Winkleman, who I think has been a fantastic chairman over a number of years, you know, very, very loyal to his football club. However, I would question... But not to Wimbledon. But that's well, not stop, to Wimbledon, yeah. no, but his, you know, the yeah. club that he's at at this moment in time. Pete Winkleman got rid of Paul Tisdale after last week's performance, and yes... They did lose eight out of nine games. And some would say that's cause for concern. I know it is, and so would Paul. However, Paul Tisdale got MK Dons promoted at the first time of asking last year and played some wonderful football. Now, there's a reason why you go from right at the top of the tree to right at the bottom of the tree. And I know the reasons because I looked into it and they were missing four or five key players We've seen what four or five key players missing at Manchester City this afternoon mm. looks like. Now magnify that a thousand times and throw that onto the equation of MK Duns. Because they don't have backup players they like City got, have. No. Without a shadow of doubt. So they were missing some key ingredients in them teams. Hence losing eight games out of nine. So they made the call. They got rid of four or five backroom um, staff with Paul Tisdale at the, he at the head of it and brought in a player called Russell Martin who had a wonderful career and um, mm. now he's turned into the um, the manager and then lost 1-0 at home today in the, against Port Vale. Um, take you back to what it looks like, uh, League One team not getting to the third round of the FA Cup and I thought that was a huge gamble what was made. And, but does Paul continue, Paul Tisdale, to be the best-dressed manager in, in English football? Absolutely, and I don't... Th I w not for one moment will I think that he'll um, be out of work for long either. Okay. The best-dressed manager out of work won't yeah. be for long. Thank you very much indeed. Now, I'm looking forward to this, um, well, Mark Smith, because mm. um, it's been an amazing week uh, for uh, London clubs. Palace lost, mm -hmm. of course. Um, Chelsea are just doing great. Palace lost... Um, West Ham uh, appalling. Um, yes. Spurs, as we've heard, in the running for worst performance of the week. But you think you can top that? I think I can, Danny. Um, I mean, for me, Leicester were the performance of the week. And to counterbalance that perfectly, Arsenal, for me, are the worst performance of the week. I thought for all Leicester's good stuff, Arsenal were just spineless. There was just nothing to them. I don't know what Emery's, what Emery's got to do. You're not listening, incidentally, to, to a recording from two seasons or one season ago. <laughs> this is the current Arsenal team. This is the current Arsenal. This is Unai Emery in charge. This isn't, this isn't Wenger's last season. This is Unai Emery. Um, I mean, having said that, he's got a worse record than Wenger had in the year he, got, he, he was in his final year. So I don't know what Arsenal fans are thinking now because we had years of them wanting Wenger out. They've now got Wenger out and they've got Emery in and now they want him out. And who is available to take over from Emery? Who is there now? If they're going to drop him now in this international break, we've got two weeks off, who is there out there that you could possibly replace him with and who can get a tune out of these players? Because to me... They're... I presume Benitez is, is tired of his holiday in China now. H highly paid though it is. Would Allegri be available? Yeah, you know, absolutely. Would he be waiting in the wings? Because now is the time where there's going to be a huge sacking takes place. Yep. And it really wouldn't surprise me if the, you know, the clamour for Unai Emery Start to really tell, take tell me place. this. You're the one with all the coaching badges. Mark is good looking and very talented and very funny. You've got lot, all the coaching badges. A lot better looking than me, Danny. Yeah, absolutely. Nearly as good looking as me, to be fair. <laughs> um, but what, what gets into managers' minds? He decides 
um, Emery in the, up against a very good Leicester team for the first time this season going to play three at the back mm. then he takes out Socrates their only really natural defender yeah. what gets into managers minds incredible I mean obviously he would have worked on something throughout that week it would have looked good against the Leicester that they were playing against obviously their own reserves <laughs> their own reserves <laughs> who yeah. probably didn't want to play like Leicester in the first place slightly lacking uh, Madison Vardy etc <laughs> uh, absolutely Harvey Barnes yeah and then you get caught up in this little spiral of um, losing the plot and um, that's probably what's happened there and one more thing about this I know we're short of time one more thing about this and what about Mesut Ozil who's gone from universal whipping boy now saviour of Arsenal yeah they're all over the everything about that club at the minute is all over the place it's upside down none of it makes any sense if you're going to play Ozil you know he doesn't travel as well as he does when he when he's playing at home. He's very effective. When he travels, he he loses a lot of that. And away at Leicester, where you've got a packed midfield of real quality, as we've already discussed, Ozil's not the guy for me there. No. It just doesn't make any sense to play him in that sort of game. I'd play him in the next home game, whoever that is against. But it just seems like a it seems like a strange relationship they've got. And actually, this could be certainly one of the flashpoints already. But one of the reasons why Emery won't last long is that they've got this albatross of Ozil, who's the highest paid player around. And just not getting the opportunity, and when he does get the chance, he's not delivering. I think the big thing for this situation with Arsenal and Unai Emery is that there just isn't this relationship between the players and the manager. Mm. And I think that strikes like a beacon many moments throughout the season. You're looking on that sideline and you, there's no kind of camaraderie there between both sets. And that's uh, that's massive for management. And that was, I think, best illustrated when the Jack had the problem with the crowd. The manager came out and so said, "Badly mismanaged. He's done very, very bad. He's a very bad boy." And the senior Arsenal players went round to Jacka's house that night to have a McDonald's with him. Um, that's as if to say the managers. Oh, never mind about the manager. We're we're, we're on your side. Interesting. Um, so, is it one of the North London Giants or is it MK Dons for worst performance of the week? I'll let you choose, Sean. I'm going to go for Spurs. I am. I'm going to go for Spurs, Danny, on the basis that perhaps MK Dons, they have took a gamble with this new manager. They did lose eight out of nine, and we know that Arsenal have just been a free fall for a long time. Yeah. Uh, I'm also going to go with Spurs. Spiteful. Yeah. (laughs) But I also think um, Arsenal can get it next week instead. (laughs) <laughs> and of course after the international break there is a magnificent game coming up at the London Stadium West Ham and Spurs mm. in the all crisis derby it should be very very good loser indeed. leaves town <laughs> <laughs> very much indeed that's our worst performance of the week the mighty Spurs life is full of what ifs some awesome like what if AI could fold your laundry and some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18+, begambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. As you know, the second half of the show, if we don't wander off into some mad territory, uh, takes us to the individual honours, heroes and villains of the week. In fact, I, of course, haven't got an individual. I'm doing something wider than that. Um, Why don't we start with Mark there? Uh, Who's your hero of the week? Uh, My hero or heroes of Ah. the week this week are Burnley's front two, uh, Chris Wood, Ashley Barnes. Do you know what? It's really refreshing to see a proper strike partnership in the Premier League. We've not had much chance to see it in recent years. A lot of clubs aren't playing that sort of system. There's a lot of 4-3-3, uh, a lot of one striker up front. Um, and although in those formations you do get partnerships of sorts, you know, you could say Aguero and Sterling, we pick one. But a proper two up front is such a handful for defenders. They don't know what to do with them, especially when they're not just good, physical, strong players, but they're technically very good. Ashley Barnes, Chris Wood, I think are possibly the best partnership in the country. I think if you're a centre-back, you just don't want to go near them. And it's a throwback to those Shearer and Sutton days or or York and Cole, where you've got a proper synergy between two players. And it's just a nice little throwback to football when I was growing up and what that looked like. But it's an unusual pair, Sean, because, I mean, Sutton and Shearer are a good example. Often it was big man, small man. Yeah. You've got two... How can we put this combative sorts here, haven't you? Well, I'll tell you what, I was up at Burnley's training ground in the week and I spoke to Sean Dyche about the two in particular and he made absolutely no apologies whatsoever for the style of play that get them success. And why should he? And no doubt about it, he's been an absolute magician up in Burnley. I mean, the training ground in itself was phenomenal. It was absolute it's a legacy of the Sean Dyche era but I still believe that there's still so much more to come from Burnley because they are when we talk about that relationship between the manager and the players that's set in stone yeah absolutely set in stone and they make no apologies for the way they play they get it up there they get it around and they get it back in again yeah. and they get it in once again three, four, five times if need be and when you have delivery like Dwight McNeil You've always got a shot. He's a good player, isn't he? He yes. looks like a very, very good player. Yeah, r- really good. Uh, also, a, a note on Woods and uh, Wood and Barnes. They've just signed a new contract as well. So I think Premier League defenders have got a few more years of sleepless nights. Can I just also say that Ashley Barnes, um, two things about him. One, I saw him play for Eastbourne many years ago. He's really come through the levels. He was on loan. He was far too good for Eastbourne, but he was playing there. And secondly, um, I would, I'm would. i now going to award him a special thing that uh, I keep in my bedroom. It is the <laughs> Kevin Davis Award for the dirtiest forward <laughs> in English football. I know. That could have been anything, couldn't it? Um, he, he is the, the dirtiest centre forward since Kevin Davis. I mean, the stats hold it out as well. I don't mind that, though. Defenders clogging attackers is against the spirit of the game. The attacker giving a centre-half occasional dig in the ribs is spot on, isn't it? it. Oh, absolutely. We don't see that enough in the modern day, do we? Oh, no, because the referee are calling everything. But Barnes turns the whole game... You mentioned his technical ability, but he turns the whole game into a battle. He is snarling dog of war, and I love that about them. Yeah. Absolutely. I watched him. him a couple of weeks ago, and he had a real bad, he had an off day 
and he missed chance after chance after chance. And I knew just by watching him that wouldn't affect him in yeah. the slightest. He'd still get back into position. Absolutely, and, and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, uh, big fan. Sean is, um, of course, these days a coach and a manager. So you've gone uh, with your union hat on. You've gone for, I have. I've gone uh, for exactly Chris, that for, yeah, for Chris your hero Wilder. of the week. Chris Wilder. So we spoke about um, Sheffield United's performance. Um, but I'm just going to talk to you about him as a person, he used to be a teammate of mine at Notts County back in oh, the day. Oh, you played with Chris. Uh, See, I yeah. don't remember him as a player. What kind of player was he? He was a right-back. Uh-huh. Um, and um, he signed for Notts County from Sheffield United. Um, he, he signed as a right-back. And the reason I made my debut was because of Chris, because Chris got injured. And I was an 18-year-old making my way through as a midfielder. Wow. I, I ended up playing right-back instead of Chris Wilder. So... Our paths crossed many moons ago, and um, just in terms of his character and his personality, it doesn't surprise me in the slightest that he's in this position. But what I love about Chris is the fact that he finds a way of winning, and he found a way of winning at Halifax, at Oxford, at Northampton, and now he's gone into Sheffield United, and he's just adapted to this Premier League. And do you know what he's done with the Premier League? He's thrown his own spin on it because of the way that he plays this back three. And if those that haven't watched Sheffield United... Explain to people how amazing it is. go and watch Sheffield United because they are the anomaly of the back three. And I say that because the outside centre-halves, they go and overlap the, the wing-backs. Yeah. And it's brilliant to see. It really is. And when you've got players like Basham who have come from League One all the way through and, you know, so many more to mention, it's... It's a dream to watch them. I'm so delighted for him. Well, this is why I was upset with uh, Pochettino's comments because they're so much more than just a well-organised, well-drilled team of big men. They, they've got real quality and this this, this tactical... I mean, it's, it's, the overlapping centre-backs is something that Jurgen Klopp and Pep have both praised. So it's something that is right at the forefront of progressive tactics. But if you rem- if you remember a few years ago when Blackpool came into the Premier League mm-hmm. and they had a, such a stunning start, didn't they? Yeah. With DJ Campbell and yeah. many more players who played for them. Charlie Adams. But then, the second half of the season, people just found Ian Holloway's team out because of the way that they played. I'm optimistic and I'm hopeful that doesn't happen to Chris Wilder. And without sounding like Pochettino, I think the difference between those two teams is that even if they t- suss out Sheffield United tactically, they're such a big, strong team, you still have to beat them physically, even Absolutely. if you've sorted out their centre-halves. I think Blackpool, once their tactical innovations had been seen through, they didn't have the... the, the, the well, the size and physique, because I'm a great believer in power in football, the size and physique to hold teams back uh, in the Premier League. Um, I just want to mention, uh, for my heroes of the week, Newcastle United's defenders. Um, I, I mean, obviously, if Newcastle United had survived in the Premier League, it has to be their defenders, because they're forwards. Um, the French guy is starting to do a little bit, isn't he? The defender with all Saint stuff maximum. in his hair. Please, again. Saint Maximum. Uh, yes, that's right. Uh, um, Saint Maximum is starting to do a bit, but really it's their defenders that are holding the club together. I think Jamal Deschamps is a really good player. I don't quite understand why when people are always looking for centre-half, someone hasn't tested Mike. You don't have to test Mike Ashley Resolve. You're giving the money, you'll sell you the player, won't he? I mean, let's be truthful. And he's only 25, 26, LaSalle. So exactly. Heading for his peak and a leader of men as well. Um, but also, the fact that their goals are coming 
I think no striker has scored since just before the dawn of time. <laughs> um, and uh, Kieran Clark and DeAndre Yedlin, who I like to see do well because I saw him at Spurs and he was a headless chicken of a lad because he's got amazing pace. But he's turned into a better player at Newcastle. And um, you replace him with Aurier anyway, who's uh, exactly the same player. He, he's not as quick. He's not as quick as DeAndre. Don't worry about about that. Um, uh, sorry, Andre Diedlin. Um, and just wanted to mention the fact that Newcastle's defenders are keeping the club afloat just now. Yeah, they've actually. I think they've scored something like sixty-five percent of their goals this season. Newcastle's defenders, um, and also Newcastle, I think, have been fantastic this season. Steve Bruce has been on a hold high on, into Hold on, let me just repeat that. Newcastle have been fantastic this season. I think so. I mean, given I, mean, given I like where you, but you can't let that go. Let's 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 look at what they are, what they were predicted to do this season. Their fans were horrified by the new boss the minute he walked in, and yet here we are. He's six points better off than Newcastle were this time last season. He's got, he's trying to at least turn St James's Park into a fortress again. I think for for what they're expected to do, they are doing fantastic, and I stand by that, Danny, and mm-hmm. I will die on this hill. Uh, you, but you've now. You've just said for what they're expected to do before that. You say I think Newcastle done fantastic this <laughs> yeah, year. Of course, no, yes, I, they, I, I'm standing by it. I'm standing they're, by it. I mean, they're above Tottenham, so I presume they're second in the league. Are they? Oh, <laughs> oh no. Um, what about uh, so? Th- those are our choices. They're Newcastle's defenders, um, the front two of Burnley, uh, Wood and Barnes, or Chris Wilder for our hero of the week. Um, it's my turn to have the first say on this, and of course I am doing what nowadays in politics are called a pivot, i.e., changing my mind. Um, it would be it would be rotten in in a week where after twelve games, and that's a third of the season, we're now into the guts of the football. Where Sheffield United are the best of the rest, I think I'd be horrified if Chris Wilder wasn't to be our hero of the week. <laughs> Mike Riley and his people, you have to ask them. Yeah. It would not be nice after lose, you know? Ask to Mike Riley and the big bosses about that. Don't ask to me. The big toe of John Lundstrom, eh? If he'd have, if he'd have been a size seven, then we'd have... Uh, listen, this... Is it plain and obvious as people talk about? I'm not so sure about that, but somebody's give it, so you have to you have to accept. He's going to whip it in, and he's going to ignore McNeil and send it right under the goalkeeper. And oh my days, what has Roberto done? He's punched the ball into his own net. That's just embarrassing. Time to do our villain of the week, and I'm going to try and tread with rather more taste than I did before. Um, look, it's just been Remembrance Sunday, and uh, football it takes a huge part in that. The Premier League, in particular, is uh, very, very keen to make sure that uh, it is seen to be taking a full part in the Remembrance Day services, and that's fine. Um, I just wonder sometimes, though, whether football clubs, the line marked taste or the meeting where you go, do you think this will be all right? Someone just goes, look, it's nearly lunch. It'll be all right. Welcome Tranmere Rovers. <laughs> now, you're not villains because you try to do something different. It's just the taste issue here. Where everyone else was playing the last post, players were stood in the centre circle, respectfully head bowed, the crowd joining them. In a moment's reflection on those who have given the ultimate sacrifice, it's always referred to, for this country, um, what Tranmere chose to do was to rev up the poppy side of things. Uh, a member of the armed forces, a large gentleman, walked onto the pitch uh, at Tranmere with a man, a mascot, dressed in a full-size poppy. 
Now, already this is a bit odd mm. because he's holding hands with the chap from the armed forces who's marching him into the centre circle. Now, the players were in, in, lined up for the ceremony. How many of them were wanting to laugh? Because not only was the poppy very large, human size, she was a man inside or a woman, I don't know. Yep. But why was it wearing clown shoes, Mark? Just... It had big, fat, black clown shoes. I have absolutely got no idea about any of it. It, it felt like I was watching a David Lynch film. It was completely mad. And you're right about the players. The players did great to hold it together. But this poppy comes on <laughs> with sort Mr. of the clown shoes on. Yeah. And by the way, the poppy itself isn't wearing a poppy, so that's disrespectful. Yeah. Uh, the whole thing is... I mean, we're laughing about it, but the serious part of it is it does draw focus. It, it pulls the spotlight from what we're supposed to be focusing on and instead we're just laughing at this ridiculous PR stunt that Look, has completely backfired, I Almost imagine. everything where a man or woman is wearing a foam costume is funny. Why would the poppy <laughs> be any different? It was a... I love a foam costume, just not on Remembrance Day and not with the actual poppy replicated in polystyrene. Can you imagine one of the veterans watching that and being like, yeah, this is a suitable... Yeah. This is a suitable... Thank God. I was waiting for this. Why is there not more large, clown-footed poppies wandering the earth? Enough of this now, because people think we're being disrespectful about the big not issue, all, which we're not. We're being disrespectful about the tastelessness of Tranmere's effort. Um, Mark, who is your uh, villain of the week? Right, Danny. Is it another poppy? <laughs> no, it's not. Um, I, you know what? I am getting pretty bored about talking about VAR. And yet, sadly, yet again... You're right We've to be bored with it, it but it's getting worse, isn't it? It is getting worse. It absolutely is. So this week I've worked around it a little bit. It's not actually VAR that is my villain of the week. It's John Moss, the VAR official for the Spurs Sheffield United game. Now, if you haven't seen this, it was an offside given in the build-up to uh, McGoldrick's equaliser. And no, it didn't turn out to be the equaliser. No, that's right. Yeah. So it got ruled out. Yeah. Um, but the, the offside decision itself was, was in the build-up to the goal. It, it wasn't the final pass. It wasn't the, a key part of it. It's arguably another phase of play. Well, this is the problem, Danny. There's so They've complicated it so much now that we've all seen so many arguments, so many layers of debate about this. It's all been brought on by VAR itself. We don't know where we stand anymore. But this one, it was ruled out. I still can't see if it's offside now. I've seen it a hundred times. If it's offside, it's by a millimetre. They didn't bring this in to rule out goals like this. They've got to get back to basics and work out why was offside a rule in the first place? To stop you goal hanging. To stop you being 30 yards ahead of ahead of the ball and just waiting by the goalkeeper. This was it a wasn't fuzzy to picture these that of... approximated the idea that, um, was it Lundstrom's f foot was mm. a millimetre ahead of er some part of Eric Dyer's body. Yeah. Um, and I'm a Spurs fan. I was appalled by the decision. It's football. That's a... Per and I loved... I was... I, I, Begged for VAR to be brought in. But also, it took three minutes and 45 seconds to make the decision. I had friends inside the stadium, Spurs supporters, who were part of large sections of the crowd, booed yeah. the whole thing, even though Spurs were the beneficiaries. Sean, we all wanted to help the referees, I think. But I was really cruel to people who said, no, it'll get out of hand, it'll all go mad. I thought they were Luddites, and I thought they would never get the new Motorola phone. It turns out... <laughs> They were wrong, and I sorry, they were right, and I was bang wrong. What is going on? Well, uh, this is I, I think we're very close now to seeing a massive revolt, and I think the revolt's going to come right from the very top, which is going to be the managers. 
All of them are going to have a, a meeting with the powers that be, and I think they're going to put the foot down and say enough is enough because it is going to cost jobs, as we've seen in, in, in the past. And I was, I was optimistic that this VAR would work and it would benefit the game. It now, worked in Russia, but then we decided to do so many more things with it. Absolutely, and the biggest thing for me is the fact that we haven't got a big screen at the side of the pitch where the, yeah. where the referee who's ref in that game can still take responsibility and actually be the man who makes the decision. Have some accountability. Accountability, uh, accountability for the decision that he's making. Yeah. Just like the players have accountability and the managers have accountability for the decisions that they're making. We've lost all that, Danny. I did not imagine when I was uh, delighted when they brought it in I thought it would be old referees or ex-pros like yourself who would be working in Stockley Park, wherever that is. Um, Stockley Park is now as famous as what? What? Uh, the, Guantanamo Bay. Yeah, if you like. Sorry, that wasn't the exact example I was going to use. Um, Stockley Park is now as famous as the, as the Empire State Building um, because of what it does. But in turn, the other thing, they're human beings. So one week you're out on the pitch refereeing and making these decisions. Next week you're in the truck. What what part of it did not lead people to believe they would just have each other's backs and stick up for the for the decisions? Yeah, I mean, it, it's they, they've made a, a real mess of this. Um, and I, I hate doing this, but I'm going to compare rugby to football for a moment now because in the World you're Cup like final, Pochettino. <laughs> when the World Cup final happened last week, last weekend, England yeah. South Africa, South Africa's first try. They had a look at it because they thought there might have been a forward pass in the build-up. And you saw the referees on the pitch looking at the big screen and the decision was this quick. One of them said, is that clear and obvious? The other one said, no, award the try. That was it. That's all it took. No one was getting their protractors out and their lines out and etch-a-sketch out. It is etch-a-sketch, isn't it? That's what's making me laugh as well. It was simply, is it clear and obvious? And the answer was no. And that should have been three and three-quarter minutes it took in a stadium of, of fans not having a clue what was going on. It's, I find it embarrassing. I find it, and that's the word actually. I do find it embarrassing, and I'm 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 not enjoying watching football at that level as much. And I anymore. think that's the thing that it'll come uh, two revolutions. The manager will say no, this is just going wrong, and then the vast majority of paying spectators who still have some power are clearly being driven mad by the whole thing. Nobody was more in favour of it. I now believe they should stop it during the international break, take it eighteen months to work out the rules and the mission of the thing, bring it back when it's ready for purpose, because now it isn't. Sean, I guess your villain is pretty small fry by comparison with that. Well, it is, and it's not as, um, obviously, as complex as that, but it is very much a, a big decision that we've seen over recent weeks, and it's the impact of the sub-goalkeepers. Um, so we've seen probably three teams, Manchester City, Tottenham, and... Um, West Ham, for West sure. West Ham, for sure, being affected by the... Sub goalkeeper. Um, so Roberto's played and he's absolutely had a howler in every way, shape, and form. And if you're, if I'm a defender, if I'm a midfielder, and I look back and I look back and I think, well, I've played with this guy throughout the week and this guy can just, he's just throwing him in left, right, and center in training. And then he goes and puts on the shirt for a match day. I'm not optimistic On about the current the evidence, Kyle Walker is a better goalkeeper than Roberto, <laughs> isn't he? Is that his name, Roberto? Yeah, I thought so. Kyle Walker's a better goalkeeper, isn't he? Well, I he, think any of, any of us are. I think any of us would do as good a job. At least we'd I'd maybe get I'd block up fouled. a large part of the goal, yeah, for sure. <laughs> if you look at the... Uh, 
we used to have a laugh at, um, and it was only a, you know, a small, we weren't laughing at the levels, of course not, you know, because I've managed at them levels. But I was, when I was at QPR, we used to watch all the goals come in on a Monday morning. We'd sit, we'd have breakfast, we'd watch the big screens. Yeah, great fun. Premier League, Championship 1 and 2. Joey Barton would get off. He, he would leave and he'd go and do something else after the Premier League because that was Joey. He mm-hmm. said football didn't exist until it was, you know... Oh, Pre- how things have changed. Of course. <laughs> and now he's the manager of, uh, of Fleetwood and doing really well by all accounts. But when it comes to the goals that we're seeing, the likes of Roberto concede, they are lower-level goals from just standard crosses into the six-yard box. The goals he conceded at the weekend, I would have been disappointed with my goalkeepers at Notts County and... Under 15. Is is it not, though, it's the hardest position to be as reserve goalkeeper? If you're a reserve outfield player, you get the occasional run out, don't you? You get a chance... Ten minutes here You're brought out for ten minutes here or there's an injury and you come on. Goalkeepers can sit there for week after week, month after month, season after season, hardly ever get on. But that is the job, isn't it? The, 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 job, sure. of a, the job of a reserve goalkeeper, for me, is is concentration and professionalism and being able to, to not be used for weeks, months, you know, years at yeah. a time and then come in and do a job. Some would say the best role in football is the third goalkeeper. 100%. <laughs> yeah. That's my dream job. Oh, and of course, it's, wow. that's particularly a job now in the Premier League for a person in their, in their mid forties, yeah. because they want they they get an English goalkeeper oh, that you add yeah. to your English squad, and if you get someone who's at the twilight of the career, you don't have to pay them a ton of money. No, um, and essentially, you know, Robert Green was still playing until about a week ago. I mean, Scott, Scott Carson was on the bench for Man City today. Uh, absolutely, right? yeah. Sean. Um, before you get too down on goalkeepers, haven't you got an illustrious goalkeeping career yourself? Well, we do talk about um, one particular situation in the week when we saw Kyle Walker t- yeah. don the gloves, and uh, but he only grabbed them for five minutes this particular person grabbed them for an hour and it was i tell you the story heroic. behind it sounds heroic to me well, sure well, it, it was i mean the story itself was unbelievable i'd signed for sheffield united oh it's you is it really, oh, right. yeah. i'd signed for oh, no. um i'd signed on the the tuesday on the saturday we played portsmouth away and my knee was so sore and um, i stumbled through this medical i think it was touch your knees and jump yeah. up in the air and you passed it it was brilliant back in the day so i was there and my leg was hurting so bad so we lost simon tracy after 30 minutes don Hutchinson wanted to pull the gloves on of course the hutch did yeah, yeah of course so, did. so he had the gloves on i said don my knee's killing mate let me oh, get really these, yeah let me get these gloves on anyway i kept a clean sheet down <laughs> for an hour <laughs> Sorry, who were you playing against? Against Portsmouth for Sheffield United. Okay, I can only assume Portsmouth are going through one there. Let's be fair, regular (laughs) bouts being no good, yeah? You might get the film on black and white, beat them somewhere. Can you remember anybody who played up front for Portsmouth? John Durning played for Portsmouth. Do you ever speak to John about his inability to beat you? No, no, I've not seen John. You know why? He's gone into hiding (laughs) after that. Yeah, quite. Did you enjoy it? I loved it because when I was, uh, and later on throughout my time at Sheffield United, Neil Warnock, and that was only when we had three subs, Neil Warnock would have three outfield players on and he mm. knew that I would go in goal for him. So I used to do one afternoon session a week with the goalkeepers. Loved it. Okay, listen, Absolutely. thank you very, very much indeed. Um, the Tranmere Poppy we put in because uh, it was uh, it was an interesting, and uh, let's be honest, it ran against the rather... Beautiful celebrations we've seen for Remembrance Day. Uh, reserve goalkeepers. It was really an excuse for Sean to tell us how great he is, <laughs> as so many of his stories are. Um, we, 
it's boring. You were right to say it was boring, but the, the crown for Villain of the Week, once again, it must surely there's no argument about VAR here. Well, the thing is, what I'd like is, and end of the season, when we're looking back on the record book, we yeah. can see that VAR was the villain four, five, six times, and we can go that. We, we, were, we were, in our own little way, a part of bringing down VAR as it currently stands. If Sean is right... Um, that, may, that may happen before the end of the season because mm. it's so bad now. I would stop it myself. Me too. Yeah, I would you can go back to now. refereeing the game. Yeah, and of course, don't say you're going to abandon it. The, the, the genie's out of the bottle. Other leagues have got it. It's happening in the Champions League, but the way they're doing it in the Premier League has been appalling, and they are therefore our villain of the week. Which brings us to, in my case, sadly, to the end of this edition of the Game Day Record Book uh, podcast. Uh, thank you very much indeed. Please tell your friends about the uh, record book if you're enjoying it. Get them to download it. My thanks uh, to Mark Smith, as always. Sean Derry, again, for coming in and telling us about how great he is when he plays in goal. <laughs> and, of course, most importantly, thanks to you uh, for listening to the podcast. God bless you all. Bye-bye. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.